Welcome back once again to Five Beats and Cheeses, the podcast that still wants to know, what about prom, Blaine? My name is Leslie Grace Reader. I am a columnist for the Baltimore Banner, an author or speaker, and one of those anonymous Black people that danced in the back of the Ferris Bueller uh, parade scene. How can you prove I wasn't? I'm here with my co-host. Oh, Lord. Okay, as as usual, you stole what my, was going to be my um, intro, but whatever. I'm uh, Lynn Streeter Childress. I uh, make theater for young people and all of the people, and um, maybe we will talk about how um, I'm so angry that James Spader looked that good uh, in Pretty in Pink because it was a problem because he was a jerk anyway uh so we have a very special guest well introduce our guest who's always here our guy who's always oh. here who makes it happen uh, producer sam again lynn again again sorry we will sing janet jackson again every week and we're sorry i was gonna say stop listening but don't please. we're not sorry if you, who are if you, you lying if you, to? If, you, if you tell us to stop doing it and you won't listen we'll no, we won't. Anyway, we love you. Anyway, Leslie, introduce our guest. <laughs> oh, I was trying to drink coffee and I was thinking of more Janet Jackson related content. Anyway, our guest today is one of my dear friends who is a, a newer friend, which say that most of my friends I've had for like 47 years or 50 years, uh, John John Williams, the fourth my friends, who is the DEI columnist for the Baltimore Banner. He sits across from me. We're constantly uh, laughing in a way that makes people suspicious. Um, uh -huh. He he is a uh, former uh, fashion uh, writer for the Baltimore Sun, still does a lot of work in that vein for us because he has fashion. He is also a person who comes in in several versions of the same coat and is constantly stunting on hose. He's also, as I said, a dear, dear friend. Um, welcome, John John. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yay. So can and you... Go ahead, Lynn. No, I was going to say, and before we started, I Leslie talks about you all the time in the very best way. And it's one of those stalking things where I feel like I know you, but I don't. So it's very nice to actually meet you over the interwebs. So then nice to meet you as well. But Leslie, that Venmo will clear. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Just I'm yeah. a, I'm a check too. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a make, and not just one of those. Oh, a dollar came over to see if it works. Situations too. None of that. None of that. What's the least amount that a Venmo has gotten has come to y'all before? Because I've never seen something for a dollar. No, I did have the other day. I was like, American Express lets you pay things like, oh, you if it's us than a hundred dollars, pay it now, pay it now. And I had something that was literally a dollar. I had a dollar charge at a hotel, and I was like, this is stupid. They should have just given it to me. But mm. I. I may have gotten that little, I know I've sent probably like maybe four or five bucks because a lot of times uh, hair salons, manicurists, some bars right. and stuff, um, the wine bar that's near me, the uh, people will have their Venmo up because you uh, tip them that way. So sometimes I am tipping people like four or five bucks. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah. it doesn't seem like it's worth that. Well, I guess it's easier with Venmo rather than when you try to run your car, they go, we can't run this. It's going to cost us too much money to run it for less than like $5. Also, I just think they wanted more money. That part. Yes. So they, they just were discouraging you from being cheap in those moments. But I'm going to send you a $5 Venmo. I don't care. Anyway. Okay. So right. that it is. 
John, John, can you tell us what we are talking about today? Sure. Um, we are we're talking about being a black person um, and watching John Hughes movies during the 80s and 90s. In retrospect, in 2024, mm. it sucked. <laughs> it, it did. Um, I mean, I love pop culture. I love it with every, you know, just every fiber in my body, just my soul. I just, I love pop culture. But you have to realize and you have to remember that to be Black and to love pop culture is... It's a cruel, cruel joke. It is. Sitting back here in, in in 2024 and like looking back at that, you have to essentially say, oh, black person, you are, you're nothing because John didn't um, want you anywhere near his productions. Nope. You weren't even in the background. So when Leslie, you were like, prove that I wasn't in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day <laughs> Off, I'm like, oh, you're black. You weren't in it. I got it. No, no, no. That's well, it. you know, the that's scene it. when they're they're doing the thriller dance. Yeah, uh, got it. The parade. You weren't it. in it. I was okay. not, but you know, if you had put a, put a picture of me yeah. with my rough dried hair in 1986 and the back of another black girl's hair and said, "Prove that's not me," you couldn't do it because they weren't really people. Yeah. Well, and- yeah. What's so funny, too, is so I think a lot about when people would talk about like Seinfeld and Friends about how these shows happened in New York. And Sex and the City. And Sex and the City, right. When you saw very few Black people and then people want to say, oh, but then you had like Living Single or like whatever shows where there were predominantly Black people. Because here's the thing. I can totally believe that you were friends with the people that you're friends with, right? Yes. I can totally believe that you go to places that are predominantly whatever the group is that you're a part of, right? Mm -hmm. That makes complete and total sense. And I used to be one of those, why do friends have any Black friends? And after a while, I was like, who cares, right? They're friends with who they're friends with. But it's why you didn't see Black people, uh, uh, Latinx people, Asian people, in well, the, except, except, for, what, except when they were dating the main characters, right? You didn't just see them like in the background as other people because people constructed these whole situations where Black people didn't exist. And mm-hmm. I know that we're not going to go way off on that, but if anyone wants to hear a fantastic sort of treatise on why not Black people in some things, there's a a podcast called American Hysteria. Mm. Um, and they do an episode about Hallmark movies mm. and uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. And it talks about why sort of the ugly side, we like Hallmark movies, but it was no mistake why they didn't have Black people in Hallmark movies. It's because they were going towards a very specific um, clientele who they thought didn't want to see that. So when Lifetime ate up the girlies and were like, well, we just going to do all the black movies. So anyway, all that to say, it's um, it's interesting, you know, when a lot of these John Hughes movies were happening in the early 80s was was like post like we are the world. Right. And all this where everybody was feeling like everybody we were all in this together and we were doing all the things. And so I think a lot of times we wanted to see ourselves in things and didn't, and didn't, but it didn't really maybe register as much that we didn't like, we knew it. 
But well, looking back now, I think one of the big differences between today and then is that we did not expect it. We were not raised to believe that we would be reflected. So these things like John yeah. Hughes movies that were put in capital letters that these were the definitions, some things that defined our generation. We just went along with it because we didn't we did connect and I can go down the list of why many of those movies meant so much to me but like John John said you had to accept that they weren't for you and mm -hmm. that if you saw them in you it was because of a broader human experience but they were right. not only not going to talk about your experience they were specifically exclusive of your experience and where the my goddaughters who are biracial um have grown up not only seeing biracial and black people on everything they notice if they don't They'll see an ad with no brown faces and go, what the hell is this? They wouldn't accept that. You would have to say, I mean, even the, the movies that are now set in like the gold, the Gilded Age are like, we're going to pretend there was a black girl here. <laughs> we got to do it because we're not doing that anymore. And we did not have that platform as black people, even as Michael Jackson was selling out everything and was the, you know, the biggest pop culture phenomenon at the moment. You couldn't, it didn't translate that. And we were told, wait, just take this. We weren't as, even told, wait, we were basically told, die. You just don't exist. Do like, not we exist. have a, we're, we're in some utopian society where you just do not exist anywhere. And isn't that the truth? It's that people looked at their fantasy lives and it didn't include us. Yep. Not yep. just didn't include us, it excluded us. And let me just also add, because, you know, we're talking about people who are just not even there or whatever. And I mean, I know we um, are going off in a tangent talking That's about friends right. in New York City, but you didn't even have any gay people there. I'm like, you had nothing. Like, literally, there is nothing other than straight, white Period. That's it. And then <clears throat> that's basically what John Hughes movies were like as well. And I mean, I, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole last night, just looking at, you know, his life and this and the other. And um, it's uh, funny. I used to um, write for the Detroit Free Press and the Chicago Tribune. So um, funny enough, his his past or whatever, he grew up in the suburbs of Detroit and Chicago. And I'm like, I've been to those areas and yes, they are very white, but there are definitely black people around those areas. And he just, for whatever reason was like, he pulled a Haley Joel Osment. I don't see black people. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then things started making more sense. I found out that yeah. Vince Vaughn was one of his really, really good friends. And he was um, known as a, a big time uh, conservative Republican. John Hughes was. Wow. And I'm like, oh, it's all shaping up now. Okay, great. Um, but the show, the, I mean, the movies were... At that time, they were great. I mean, oh. I love The Breakfast Club. I love Pretty in Pink. Um, you know what I mean? I love National Lampoon's Christmas. You know, Home Alone. All these movies were fantastic, but there was just someone in the background. You have to, sitting back in 2024, yes. you know that John Hughes was back there saying absolutely no to if the three of us were to even walk by or sneeze. Mm -mm. 
Um, he would be like, what the hell is that? Get them the <laughs> hell out of here. Like, it's just, it's so, ugh. And when yeah. there were non-white characters, they uh, were... Oh, yeah, so uh, before I get into the long duck dong of it all, uh, let, let me, and everyone's groaning. Okay, just, let's back up for those. I always say caveat for those of you under 40 listening to the show, and my answer is why. Um, let me explain who who John Hughes But we love was. you. Please keep listening. Yeah, Please so I'm just listening. saying there's a curve. Uh, we're, th this is where we are. Okay, so John Hughes was a, a writer, a screenwriter, and director, and producer who basically ate up large parts of the 80s, particularly in terms of the teenage experience. Very prolific. Uh, very right. prolific. And, and the, the movies that are sort of considered like that genre, right? Or tell me if I miss any. Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, um, Six, 16, 16 Candles, Candles, Some Kind of Wonderful, which he produced but not directed. It's Howard yes. Deutsch. Um, uh, uh la, 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 la. what's his name? Um, Home Alone, yep. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yep. Uh, did you say Christmas Vacation? Did he do one of those? Uh, he he vacation, the first vacation. Yeah, vacation, right. right. Um, and so the Uncle Buck. Oh, yeah. oh, I love Uncle Buck. That's great. Love it. Um, but yes, but we and a lot of these movies were set in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, very. Uh, affluent white uh, areas and um, it was the time where people again young people so we were what 13 14 when some of these movies came out Leslie mm. 13 um, when 16 Candles came out 14 when The Breakfast Club came out 15 when Pretty and Pink came out 16 when Some Kind of Wonderful came out these are right. part and made a lot of these things part of my personality the novel that I am pitching right now has very early um, origins and some kind of wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, a and thing that came out in 1987. So. so, so yeah. So these movies, again, like everyone's saying, were very prolific and were sort of held up in some ways as a standard of what the quote, typical American teenager was. Um before and, and, we rip it apart, can you tell me why both of you tell me what about his movies specifically appealed to you before then we trash the whole thing? Well, because that's what I was going to say okay. is that, yeah, is it the feelings of um, not belonging, right? The f feelings of everyone but you getting 16 candles, right? Everybody but you being important and people yes. forgetting your actual like 16th birthday because you feel like you're sort of the co-star in your own life. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of us like felt that way or feeling like, you know, talking about pretty in pink, that even though Ducky was a jerk, and we'll talk about that later maybe, but, you know, liking somebody who's your, your, your friends owned it forever. Um, even though, again, Ducky was a jerk, and that's a whole nother story. But those feelings um, made sense of maybe people, Breakfast Club people in other groups who you maybe want to talk to, but you wouldn't talk to because that would be social, you know, you'd be a social pariah if you talk to somebody in another group. But you mentioned pariah. I mean... What looking back at those shows and seeing that there is nothing looking like us, we were the ultimate pariah. Uh -oh. Um, yeah, we it was just come on, like we were some lepers or something. I mean, 
seriously it's just it's real looking through these glasses now mm -hmm. from now back then or whatever it's it's really ups it's upsetting it is it, it really is. is i love these i love these movies love the canon love you know i love young um young romance young adult type things teen the whole teen genre um but yeah it was it's pretty 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 it's, pretty white it's and so white it is and it's just like it's unrelentingly white it's um it, it's just it's shoved down your throat white like you don't even have background characters it's just it's 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 the it's like they just don't exist like you're it's illegal to be black. it is and like you said it goes back to the fact that we as black people anybody other than 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 white folks and and we go further, rich white folk, right? Mm -hmm. um, would look at these things and decide that people decided, not just John Hughes saying that this was his experience, and of course he was putting his experience out, but after a while it's not just about the experience, about what people will fund, but also what people want to see. Yes. And it's that people wanted to see this world where only a certain group of people existed and it you have to sit back like you said and said if people considered utopia we weren't a part of it yeah. and their perfect world didn't include black people and whether that's you know is it bad because we were were not included or because we were omitted? Because I think both of those are, are separate mm -hmm. are separate things. They are. Both happened. <laughs> both happened, yeah. But there's separate things that sort of like, are we asking you to come? Or in my brains, we're like, well, no, we're not letting you in. There, Those are sort of two pieces of the same coin. And I think it also, and I'll, I see you about to say something, Leslie, also has to be said, even though we're talking specifically about race is that another thing, and this could be a whole nother episode about John Hughes, is the the sexist date rapey, uh. rapiness of a lot of John Hughes stuff that along with the segregation, uh -huh. racial segregation, we look back at the things that we accepted as cute and funny that were assault, that were yeah. straight up assault. And, um, Again, I don't want people co-opting and go, well, as a woman, whatever. But no. I have to say, as a Black woman, all that together, looking at, there was so many things that we thought were... Well, I was just going to say that it's hard to extricate um, or separate parts of your identity. So you don't have to apologize okay. as, a, as a woman for understanding that the John Bender character who was pitched as this like bad guy who's misunderstood sexually assaults that young woman under the table and puts his face in her crotch that's not right and then she's kissing him by the end of the sh by the end of the movie or that in 16 candles the girl who's only she was not a nice person and not a great girlfriend but she gets like drugged she's yep. drunk and she gets traded off to a nerd and she can't remember if she had sex with him or not and it's like oh I, I imagined i liked it what is this movie you know and we watch it and go but it's okay because it was it was farmer ted no it's not he's a male with a penis who may or may not have done something with this woman you don't know you're supposed to go oops whoopsies funsies you know so i was gonna say one of the worst parts of this sort of attitude 
what might be worse than being not included is being included in the most terrible way possible. And I give to you, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Long Duck Dong oh, and Jesus 16 Christ. Candles. I And we're all writers. All of us are writers on this on this cast. So on this podcast. So when you were creating a story or a world or a narrative, whether it's fiction or non or nonfiction, to purposely decide to add something that is not part of the main narrative yeah is so purposeful and on point long duck dong is a character uh for those of you who never seen this movie who is an asian exchange student that the grandparents of one of the uh, of samantha who's played by Mylon ringwald she's the main character whose parents forgot her birthday her sister's getting married that weekend and nobody remembers her birthday so the very white grandparents bring with them this hideous racial <laughs> stereotype of a horny backwards asian person and the fact by the way that all these people are played by except for wiley ringwald played by people who are 87 years old um who all look like adults praying for high school american white girls and the fact that he's so dumb he gets it wrong and hello, the sizes thing that he falls in love with. The woman he falls in love with is a jock who um, comes across as butch. But that's who he thinks is a sexy American girlfriend because he's so desperate for American white women that he yeah. anybody. And um, we're, we're forgetting to add the fact that every time he appears ah! like a gong like that that's being played or whatever, like or they use like some stereotypic Asian background music like every time to like bring him into the scene it's 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 disgusting and I his mean, name is long duck dong yeah yeah he's some and guy it, the brother says guy named after ducks weighing yeah really because that's the respect that they have there was every opportunity just not to have any asian people in this movie <laughs> if you're gonna make an all-white universe do it do it don't then say, oh, we'll include him or in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We'll include the people dancing the Michael Jackson zombie dance, looking like actual zombies going through Chicago. Or we'll include the black and Hispanic guy looking like a damn pinkadinny uh, who'd steal the car, who steal Cameron's father's car and drive around Chicago. Just yeah. leave us out of it. If you're not going to involve us in a way that is either respectful in background or dare say, part of the narrative leave us the hell alone but you know that's the ultimate thing about white supremacy you, ultimately you can't just leave us alone you have to bring it in and you have to turn that knife when you get the opportunity and i mean it's very much um <laughs> i'm gonna drag her for a second lena dunham in girls <laughs> she got all types of got all types of flack for the first season of there being like no black people or anything like that. And her response was, oh, I'm going to create a black Jewish Republican, I believe, yeah. to impregnate me in or to date in, you know, the next season. Like something that's just so way off base for what New York is and what the what society is or whatever. She's like, that's the black person I'm going to give a speaking line to and make him a romantic interest. She's like, you see, this is uh, I'm going to do this. You all wanted diversity here. Yeah. I'm going to give it to you. And, so, and it, by the way, the impreg the pregnancy was several seasons later with a different brown person. 
Oh, okay. Which is a completely different brown person. But yeah, so it's that kind of thing. And the fact that they cast this very dark skinned baby as her baby. Yeah. It's all visual. It's all were used as aesthetics, were used to make a point. Um, the number of times I love Law and Order, but the number of times you look back and they code the um bridge and tunnel witness who happens to have a black child, you mm. know, you know, smoking. I don't even know her, Angela. I did her hair. You know, and it would be like, mm-hmm. you know, with the with the biracial child, it's just terrible. It's just terrible. And so I think once again, those of you who are younger, who took for granted the canon of what nostalgia is, yeah, at face value, mm-hmm. and didn't understand and don't understand. Thank God you can't understand because of the diversity that you have. Every Netflix. Why a novel owes its DNA to John Hughes, and ha- most a lot of them use eighties music, a lot of them use the you know triangle, you know thing that happened in a lot of those movies. A lot of the oh I've been friends of them. you didn't create those, but the fact that John Hughes, to his credit, created a genre that took teens seriously, right in drama in drama that took the things that teenagers particularly teenage girls were going through that they weren't just it was in Saturday Night Fever those kind of things were about young men and young men's sexuality and young men's sort of you know rage and anger Cooley High even had women in it but based around young men so then when you have the John Hughes movies Johnny uh Cooley High oh Anyway, moment of silence. Masterpiece. Cochise. Anyway, so um, when you've got the John Hughes movies, one of the things that he did effectively was to make Molly Ringwald, who was a very young woman at the time, who I've interviewed a couple times Mm -hmm. about this, had a chance years ago to sit in a a supper club that she was doing a show at, and we did a story where she cooked uh, chicken for me. I don't even eat chicken, but I ate it because it was Molly Ringwald and had a shared a glass of <laughs> and shared a glass of wine and talked. I was like, I I'm eating Molly's chicken, and she was just so amazing. But she talked about how she had been very vocal, and she was the star of these movies. Looking back and showing them to her daughter, and realizing she didn't want to show her daughter some of these things without a lot of preparation, if at all, because of the rampant lack of diversity. And the lack of agency sexually for some women and that some women got sexual agency and some didn't. It all depended on who you were that her character did. Her characters did, except for the uh, Breakfast Club, Judd Nelson up your crotch situation. Sam had his hand up. I'm just curious. Everybody says that about John Hughes. And yet, if you look at it, the female character's now feel like an excuse to 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 run them they're always run through a male gaze Mm -hmm. i don't feel like they had any agency whatsoever they were still put there as a prop for a male it's a it's still a male uh stories what like what things are you talking about now like um like we were just talking about 16 candles and um the the one character is only acceptable when they have a makeover um you know the girl girl, every male lead in a john hughes uh movie is a sociopath if you (laughs) look at it 
and they get the girl, even the girl who's the center of the story. I don't. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think, I don't think John Hughes really gets much credit for anything <laughs> other than crafting pretty pictures. I, I think he I, carefully writes stories to maintain a white male privileged status quo. That's I, his whole deal. I agree with that, but I also agree that that's what we were taught to accept. And that's as, why John Hughes is evil. As girls, exactly. <laughs> right? That as young girls, though, I mean, I will give him credit for he wrote about female loneliness. I think in a way that only an actual young girl could have portrayed. And he wrote about you know, Andy, who's the character from Pretty in Pink. I'm not defending John Hughes. I'm just saying that there were some things that felt authentic, like um, her being, you know, White Rosa Parks, basically, for the poor kids in the school, you know, and being sarcastic with this. She gets basically, she gets bullied in a gym class and gets pulled into uh, the principal's office. He's like, can you just focus on the fact that you're graduating and you'll get into good schools? And she's like, yeah, I'm lucky to find people of this you know, school, let me go here. And she's being very sarcastic or whatever. Um, but I have felt that way. I have felt that way. But Leslie, even when you were talking about that, that she's poor and, you know, isolated up from the wrong side of the tracks, then even then you don't even have any diversity there. Right. Like it's not even just like <laughs> which thing you're, you're just like, you just don't you just don't exist. And, you know, I don't know how y'all are in cursing. That's why I'm trying to hold back and not, you know, talk the way that I normally do. Let it go. Um, yeah, it go. but I'm I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, nothing, nothing, nothing. It is by the grace of some type of spirit that I am Darlene's child. And I'm going to say this for Darlene is my mom and um, fantastic. But she made sure that... Uh, that me and my sister from day one realized that we were represented in some way. And what that yeah. means is um, for uh, birthday cards or this and the other, yes. when they were not making any types of cards with black children on it, she would get a color pencil and she would color in the faces so that it would, I would see myself in that. She knew that representation mattered and she made sure in Syracuse, New York. I went to um, Christian Brothers Academy. It couldn't have gotten any more rich or white than that. And I never, ever, ever, well, of course you have identity issues, but mm -hmm. I never felt that I was less than because I couldn't see myself represented someplace. Um, I always knew that that we did exist. Mm. <laughs> I, I knew that it was okay to be me as a black person. And if you didn't have a parent like that, if you are watching these shows, if you are hearing phrases like, this is a voice of a generation, yes. you just look at like the the brat pack in St. Elmo's Fire, and that's not even his, but it's a, it's a continuation yes. of mindset. And you're just seeing that people that don't look anything like you, you feel that you are wrong. At the end of the day, you feel that you do not, you're wrong, you don't exist, and that you just, you're, you're just some type of like, you're an abomination mm -hmm. almost. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's, re it, it is painful to even 
to, to talk about that, to talk about image or a lack of this and the other and the struggles that you have, because it's directly linked to this garbage. It is. And I do love, I love these movies. I do. At that time, I loved, you know, what, how they made me feel watching this and seeing a young person, this and the other. But at the end of the day, you're like, oh my God, this is toxic as hell. It mm -hmm. is. And it's a direct line from that to where we are now, where anything that does include Black people is considered, quote, woke, unquote. And yeah. and I, I hate that word because it was stolen. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. But, but what it's saying is, is that, and I say this all the time, like I'm a big, um, I loved Murder, She Wrote. And I yeah. recently in the last year started that the first season and went through all 12 seasons. And that's a lot because that was like 22 episodes for 12 seasons. Mm -hmm. But- mm -hmm. It got more racially diverse as it went on, but whenever you saw Black people, <laughs> they were cops or they were sometimes reporters or they were boxers. Jazz musicians. Uh, jazz musicians. That's the only time that they had, that they were running in those circles. Now, as it went on, you had, you had more and more and there was, but all that to say is... <clears throat> Because you did not see us in those things, and I actually made a Facebook post about this. I said, I've been watching that and what Columbo, all those stuff. But because from the beginning, you did not see Black people as a part of these things, what it told you is that we didn't do things. It told you that we weren't lawyers. It told you that we weren't doctors. It told you that we, I mean, do service positions. Yay, I, I serve people too. But that's the only thing that we did. So when you see people actually saying, well, here's a black doctor and they, they go, you're making that up. You're just wokeism, wokeism, wokeism. It's because even our pop culture, which is supposed to be a reflection of actual real life mm -hmm. or the way, like you said, you want real life to be excluded us. And that's why we are now having to explain to people that people aren't making it up that we do those things, but you were told that we didn't. And there was a direct line from that to where we are now, where we have to the very the very notion to some people that we do stuff that, besides <laughs> what they consider black stuff it, it's 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 not just a oh isn't that cute it's the fact that um affirmative action is gone and the fact that um you that a lot of people don't want to see these things anymore because they can go back and say that it's not a problem or those things never existed direct line yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, at that point, we're like, everyone's been gut punched at that point. You're like, well, damn. <laughs> okay. Well, and thank you, Lynn. Um, but she she made all the points. And the biggest yeah. point to me is like it said, is what at what price nostalgia? And do uh, we, when people say part of the reason that I created a Gen X group on Facebook. And I'm gonna include you too, John John. Okay. That was basically called Deconstructing Gen X because of these very things that black people and women and gay people and non-white people were so sick of going on Twitter or other places and having people go, Oh, this is exact this is the most 80s thing ever. And they would go, living single, they go, What does that mean? Or everybody loved Seinfeld. Like we're going, no, they really didn't. What do you mean? And so sick of just the the discourse being, remember the 80s? Remember Sheep Up? You know, whatever. And the the although we don't want to talk about what that was about either. Anyway, um, 
all of these things happened. So when we started this group, it was about deconstructing these things. And the first thing we talked about was John Bender. The first thing we talked about was let's talk about the fact that we in our minds remembered this as this like sexy flirtation between, you know, people from different sides of the track, but really it was sexual assault and harassment. Um, and why is it, is it okay to admit that these things meant something to you and now understand that it's something different. And I think that it, there is enough space for both those things. There is enough space to say, this is why Molly Ringwald meant so much to me. Yeah. You yeah. know, this is why I, well, you know how I dress. I still, sometimes you go, yeah, did you steal it from Pretty in Pink? Yes. I still have my Pretty in Pink wardrobe moments because of what these things meant to me. I still, you know, can sing most of this, some kind of wonderful soundtrack. Um, but still be able to say this is where where did the doll put on the doll where the movie hurt you leslie everywhere hmm. yeah yeah and it's it's also being expected to know all those references so like i'm like you know you're talking about um some kind of wonderful i'm like oh the amanda jones song yes. remember that yeah. absolutely you're talking about pretty and pink and like oh her hideous prom dress that she made Ugh. like yeah but you know what I mean? But then having to have, you know, I mean, that's what white supremacy is. Making sure that you know all about everybody else, you know, the main dominant yes. culture, but no one knowing about yours. And, you know, this, yeah, being treated like you are in some far off land, but being expected be, to, you know, live through, navigate through society through their lens. And ultimately, that's what that's where I I stand with John Hughes. Um, uh, yeah, may his memory just rot. Oh. And, well, and this is when we were talking about this show. We talk, you know, a lot of times when we talk about like things that you think are cheesy or guilty pleasures or whatever. This is sort of the ultimate in that it's it's liking something and loving something and have to reconcile your affection for something that doesn't love you back. Mm. Um, yeah. um, and or doesn't love you well yeah as a black person or as a woman um and or at the same time that you have complicated feelings about and that you're forced to by some people to one way or the other because I've tried to say to people about like Bender and uh Claire under the table in Breakfast Club and I think people go well no it's because it's well, see, because, and well, at the end, I'm like, but it was written, it was written at the end that she was fine with it and she liked it. But if you stand back and look at it, she did not want, she did not ask for him to do that. And that she was supposed to be okay at the end. He becomes sort of like, everyone wants to do the fist in the yeah. thing. So what did he gain? Sexually assaulting a girl? Because then at the end, it's like they obviously hooked up or whatever. And then it's changed back that her dad is picking her up and he goes to kiss her and she turns her head because now she can't it's turned back to she can't acknowledge him why would she and then she he she he has her earring and he's like whatever it's like so now he's got a trophy of that time he got to sexually assault a girl and make it sexy um and so so many people not understanding the context of that will do the walking across the field with the fist pump um, and the long jacket 
and not understand what led up to that moment. And we've been gaslit into believing that that's triumphant. And it is for him. Well, I, I'd imagine that that's what it must have been like for to have the the world is your oyster, the keys to the kingdom as a straight white man back then. Yeah, it is triumphant for you. Yep. Fist pump in the air. Yep. Got away with assaulting a a woman and I'm still seen as a hero. Yep. There you go. I mean, that Emilio Estevez's character had assaulted um what's his name's character uh uh what's what's the deal anthony michael anthony Anthony michael 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 hall's character right it wasn't he the one who takes no he no no he he was assaulting another boy oh that's right that's right who had a hairy butt and he put tape on it and they pulled the yeah okay i was oh you're right because he didn't get it he was was he just there because he wanted to be or was that claire wasn't one of them there not claire no ali cd was there because yeah, she had nothing she else, to, else to go. But um, but thank you. I'm conflating all of the assault. Oh no, it's fine. But I just want people. I want the audience to realize that John John can say I hate. I can I can hate it. But Lord knows I know every plot point of that damn thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, so no one's going to say, "Oh, you just never watched it." I own all of them. Yes, I've watched them all. Yeah, with regularity i know it all the plot points and all the people and all the characters in 1994 we went to a a halloween party Mm -hmm. and (laughs) leslie was dressed as molly ringwald in a vintage dress in a red a red wig and a hat that a black hat felt hat that had a scarf tied around it and And little and little socks with lace on little socks and she walked into the party and the music changed to if you leave uh by omd from pretty and big because everyone knew who she was supposed to be and what she was supposed to be and no no white face by the way i just wore a wig i was like do i even have to say it i'm like of course not of course not you know they knew you, you can you can pay homage to a character and not have to just denigrate them to the point of you know, making this a, a an Al Jolson routine. <laughs> I mean, and, and so. that's, and it, again, because the soul of it was that she was paying homage to her. I think of, I'm going off, but do you know that um, Dennis Edwards, Saida Garrett song, Don't Look Any Further, mm-hmm. uh, and there's that uh, video um where it looks like he's chewing gum the whole time. Anyway, these white people <laughs> did a shot for shot reenactment <laughs> of that and it is hilarious and of tribute and there's no blackface it's just yeah him and his curly hair it's the funny it's really hilarious i need to we always say we're going to post things i forget to post them but all that to say it um you don't have to do all that but again it's that you could again you liking things that weren't not just weren't made for you because my big fat Greek wedding wasn't made for us. No, but black people love my big fat Greek wedding and Italians love my big fat Greek wedding because we can look at it and say, we understand large ethnic families who do things that that group understands, but we didn't ask them to say, well, you should, you know, include, gospel music in it no you keep it greek but we understood the heart of it that it was for everybody but about this group and not making any bones about the fact that it was about them but even then that's a different story because okay it's about a family got Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. but this is 
when we were talking about John Hughes, it's his whole body of freaking work. Oh, no, absolutely. It's everything. It's every single chance you have a chance. Of, like, I see white people. I see white people. No black people here. No black people there. It's just like his entire life is that way. I mean, from beginning to end, there just there's nothing. We like we just don't exist. We don't rank. We just don't. We're not. We're not given any. Not a, even a scrap. It's just. My God. And it was funny, the only black person, but it wasn't John Hughes, but it was at the same time. I was thinking yeah. a fat a fast time said Rich Von High, which is Cameron Crow, but how um uh it was um the only black guy was the large uh football player. So when we were no stereotype there. No stereotype there. So we were included in stuff, it was in a very, very specific way. And once again, I will say that in some of those high schools, there may have only been one black person, right? Like realistically one or two. But it's like, once again, if you're going to have them be stereotypes, just don't show them. Just don't. It's funny. I, Footloose is canonically very important to me. And Lynn, it's the first movie we saw when we came in the theater, when we came back from Saudi Arabia when we were 13. And we did not expect black people in that movie because it was about rural white Indiana, right? So in the remake there are some black faces which to me made sense for a couple reasons one you can't make a movie at that point i'm thinking 2011 without having some black people in it also there are more black people in those places now there yeah. are you I mean, find them now i mean you could you could make a a show in 2000 this and the other girls um, with no black people in New York. But I mean, it's just, I mean, you can do it. You're just going to get roasted for it. And it's a choice that you made. And like, it's so, a choice you made. Lena I, Dunham. Oof. I watch like Harlem and Run the World and those things. And the difference is like, these are shows about black women who are groups of friends who hang in very black spaces. But when they go to work, there are white people. There are. We, yes. But in those other things, we just didn't. We did. I don't know what the hell we were doing. We weren't working. We weren't, you know, <laughs> eating. We weren't walking. We weren't talking. We just didn't exist. Yeah. Not getting coffee. Not dating nobody. Nothing. 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 On the street. We weren't even committing any crimes. There were yeah. moments. It just. It's all terrible. So, uh, like Lynn said, most of the time when we finish the show, we end okay. with the question: If you felt that this thing was cheesy. Or guilty pleasure before? Do you now? This is more in the guilty pleasure part of it because it's something we took seriously. That now we go, oof. How do you feel about these now? I think you said it, but child, I I know I've said it, but um, yeah. Can I look back and say, oh, this movie affected me this way and this yes. and the other, and I I knew blaine's and i knew this and the other in high school and i i went to I, I knew those characters throughout absolutely i did but um i also knew that there were john johns of the world and there were other people i mean leslie you and your sister were out running havoc wrecking havoc someplace in <laughs> on this planet or yeah, whatever we were in this and very like, city yes yep i'm like <laughs> Where is their origin story? Where, where were, where were they? Where, where were they reflected? Where, you know what I mean? And, we weren't. 
Yeah, not until yeah. Khadija, not that's not true. Not till Denise Huxtable and yeah. Vanessa Huxtable particularly showed up. Vanessa showing up for all the awkward girls who were always sweet and then went through a moment where they did stupid stuff when they were their teens. Absolutely. Also, Baltimore, the wretched, yeah. big fun. Yeah. yeah, having big fun in Baltimore. That's where we were. Um, yeah, yeah. In, in, in Baltimore, <laughs> Leslie's like, I was watching the wretched, <laughs> yeah. You know but I wouldn't have been stupid enough to let one of my friends use her freaking um, credit card on a turnpike. Are you stupid? Yeah. And called the auto club. That's when you go, how did we get yeah. How did we get here? I mean, or <laughs> having been a nice girl who did stupid stuff, or this is when you call your parents and feign ignorance and try to, to get the moment that makes you look the least guilty while just getting the hell home and you'll feel the rest of it later. But Don't you know what? Yeah, that's not going to work on Claire Huxtable. Like nope. it didn't work on it didn't work on Darlene. It, <laughs> they were one in the same. Are you no one could tell me that Claire Huxtable and Dominique Devereaux were not based off of Darlene Bender. You couldn't. Oh, tell me. I yeah. love it, Bender. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. But, Oh, we're, we're not even going to talk about how that name might have even. <laughs> right. We'll just leave that alone. It might be related with the same name, but right. yeah. What? Um, what? Um, so John, John, where may people find you if you indeed want to be found? Um, I guess at that Baltimore banner place. I, you know, I'm writing, writing, writing and writing some more all the time, writing all the time. Um, writing yeah. all the time, writing all the time, <laughs> writing all the time. No, that's we got to have a, a Eddie Murphy's pop career uh episode of this jammy like immediately because I have things to say. Because oh lord, anyway, um, thank you and so he, much. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if he had not gotten caught with um the uh the prostitute where his career would have turned. Because after that, he went in a completely opposite direction of being very family-friendly movies, this mm -hmm. and the other. And he really tried to do damage control. And that's when we got horrible movies like Norbit and all this uh. and the other. But can you, I mean, his trajectory was just through the roof. I mean, and you have like Boomerang, which is, oh, fun. Yeah, but that's a different a different episode a different time and... if we do a boomerang episode you have to come back that's one of my absolute favorite movies yeah. um lynn and i will walk walked around for years and still do if you if, if you provoke us going love should have brought your ass home last night with the <laughs> finger in his face go holly and so whenever somebody goes by the way holly berry never played like a straight up black girl i'm like have you not seen that scene her name was angela i mean what she yeah. was super duper black. Anyway, so thank. She you. was also the ugly duckling. Uh, she was uh, a plain Jane. She was. A, I mean, Robin Givens was. She was. Robin was a bad, exquisite, exquisite. bad, bad ass in that movie and through the nineties. She was. Um, but yeah, different story. A different story. <laughs> thank you so much, producer thank Sam. You. Uh, thank you, uh, co-host Lynn, who had to jet. Thank you so much, John. John. Um, please. Uh, Keep listening to the show. Tell your friends about it. We got some really exciting guests coming up very soon. Um, and as we always say, keep it easy. Keep it breezy. Keep it cheesy. Bye-bye. <laughs>